Hello and welcome to the Maps Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Hugh Petrie, Heritage Development Officer for the London Borough of Barnet. Hi Hugh, Hugh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about how you came into be where you are today? My name's Hugh Petrie. I work for the London Borough of Barnet as their Heritage Development Officer in Hendon. So what kind of um, collections are you dealing with in your role? Um, we have a, a number of different kinds of collections. Um, in, the physical, in physical terms, we have four collections. Uh, we have, um, essentially, we have the uh, reference section, which is just a small section now, um, because a lot of that is now digitally available online. So things like Victoria County history, license environments of London, and all those useful histories for local history people, they're, they're pretty much taken care of in, online, and they they just sit in the reference stock um, in the main section of the library. Um, the second section is probably the um, is definitely the council minutes and reports. Um, since the 1970s, those have been um, stored with us. Um, because basically the uh, councils need to give access to them and as a consequence we were used to facilitate that but as they go back um, into the late 19th century uh, they're, they're actually very interesting and useful historical documents as well uh, but combined with them there's also all the subsidiary materials like uh, air raid precaution um, material and things of that nature. Um, then there's the uh, history uh, collection from the former Church Farmhouse Museum, uh, the local history collection, which was uh, objects associated with the London Borough of Barnet. So that includes things like um, things like air raid precaution helmets and blouses, which have you know the the, the local authorities. Uh, badges emblazoned on them, um, as well as locally manufactured objects and, you know, little bits and pieces that have, you know, come our way, which are of local interest and value. Um, we don't collect generics, um, so insurance plaques and things like that, we don't, we don't deal with at all now. Um, it has to be specific to the area. And then finally, there is the uh, local library or the, the public library's um, local history collection which has been going since about 1927 uh, and uh, through to 29 when Hendon Library first opened uh, was being sort of and first opened and I suppose our very first um, our very first local history librarian is, is um, sort of mid 30s 1930s um, a woman called Isabel Pye um, she's she's my far off ancestor uh you know in terms of the role um so it's it's that's the broad base of the types of collections and within the um, local history collection library history collection there's photographs thousands of photographs hundreds of maps lots and lots of old documents from 18th century deeds all the way through to um, I think our most recent acquisitions was the Finnish Leader Reform Synagogue collection and also um, 
uh, you know, photographs of one of the large houses, interiors, exteriors, a, a house called Cromwell House, um, which is uh, not far from not far from where I'm sitting right now, actually. So it's it's full of diverse objects within local history collection. It's, it includes a great deal of material, <laughs> a very various material. So Barnet is North London. How old is that as a constituency? Well, Barnet, um, as, a, as a constituted object, uh, is not actually very old. It's only about 60 years old, uh, 55 years old, actually. It was uh, founded under the Local Government Acts of 1963 um, as, uh, as a, a, a London borough, um, which it became over a period really between 1964 and 1965, up to about 1970-odd, when it finally consolidated as one object. Um, prior to that, it was Barnet, Finchley, Hendon and Edgware um, and lots of little places like Golders Green and Charles Hill and, and so on and so forth within that. Weston, Fry and Barnet, of course, not must forget Fry and Barnet. <laughs> so that's that's what constituted London Borough Barnet. Because it's got quite a lot of um, open spaces and things like that, doesn't it? It's actually quite a remarkable place in that in that regard. Although it's a London borough, about a quarter of it is actually fields, um, or maybe less than that, maybe a fifth. Um, it, it's quite a lot. Um, only it, it, if you can imagine, it's a sort of the conurbation is sort of shaped like a U. Um, we're running from Edgware to uh, uh, down to, to Charles Hill, and then from Charles Hill up to, to Barnet. That forms the kind of a U shape, but there are areas in Mill Hill, Totteridge, Barnet, uh, north into Hadley, which are essentially fields. And then there are, of course, a large number of recreational spaces, some belonging to the Corporation of London, like uh, the, Heath, uh, the Heath Extension and, and Holders Hill, uh, Golders Hill House, um, as was at the Golders Hill Park, um, and also places like Scratchwood, Moat um, Mount. Um, Hadley Woods and so on. So it's it's very green borough. You must have a different collect, well, type of collection than some of the city centre boroughs. Then, well, I think the, the the main principal difference is that our, our our ancestor population, if you like, and I like to talk of them as the ancestor population, is very very small by comparison. Our only real conurbation prior to about 1850 is Barnet. Um, and everything else is either small villages calling themselves towns like Edgware, mm -hmm. but everywhere else is really village, and some of them are tiny, tiny even then. Um, so really, we don't have a large population of people historically. Um, we've only really acquired our, 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 our historical, you know, our large populations in the 20th century. That's when we, we, we really start to grow. And in that sense, we have a very different kind of collection. Um, it's it, it's a lot a lot of the material is associated with large landowners and the like. Mm. Um, so it's it's not it's not so hot if you're a low, if you're a, a family historian. Um, Who else accesses the collection then, if if you don't cater so much to family family historians? Family history, family history is 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 in decline at the moment um pretty much because once a family tree has been done by your uncle or so or somebody then it's been done um there's 
very little reason to revisit it uh, unless you're very, very keen. Um, so we did see a large number of, of people using the unit for family history back in the 2000s, um, particularly in the early 2000s. But gently, since about 2009-10, it's been slowly dwindling down. Uh, and um, it, it's, but it's also because there's a large amount of material now available online through Find, um, you know, Find My Past and um, Ancestry. So we don't tend to cater for them as much as before. They still constitute about one in six of our users, but there was a time when they were one in two. Um, most of our users are um, professional researchers doing desk-based archaeological surveys and also local historians either informally those who want to know histories of their houses and things like that or for more formally in local societies who are doing projects for their own you know for their own magazines and what have you um, we do a large amount of research and writing as well for the council so we have um, a, an exhibition space for um, showing off our collection in the town hall at Hendon. Um, currently, we're doing World War II posters from the area, um, which we have a good collection. Um, but we also do things like YouTubes. Uh, we've got about four or five YouTubes up at the moment. Um, and we produce teaching packs and all sorts of things. I also go into schools and do talks for local groups and things of that nature. So our work is half archival and half heritage. Um, so our, our, the people who access the collection is broadly speaking researchers, but also councillors wanting answers to questions and, you know, the other stuff. Is that the bulk of your role then, um, answering people's queries? I wouldn't say that. I think the bulk of my work is four things. One of them is that we prepare materials for heritage use. That's interpretation uh, of the material um, in various ways. Um, we also provide answers to inquiries and facilitate people doing research. But we also, you know, my time's also spent organizing the collection, accessioning material, indexing material, and generally looking after it, getting it into good order. Um, we have been through a number of moves in the last few years, and the result is that we're, we're having to sort of reorganize the collection in the light of that. You know, it, 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 if you move collections, they, they can get a little bit out of sync and things like that there's, so there's there's that side of it and i suppose that the, the last one is digitization which now takes a large amount of time um it's not a bad thing at all because in the long run it saves time so we've been working on for example our council minutes our historical council minutes for the last uh, few years what with volunteers and myself um and we've uh, done nearly all of Hendon and um, we've done nearly all of Finchley of the sort of five main constituent parts um, and that's proved very very useful you know in, in as much as it by doing that we save ourselves the time of going and getting the volumes and bringing them down and putting them out and booking people in if somebody wants to research a particular volume I can actually just we transfer the volume to them 
um, which is an enormous time saving. But also if I need to search a range of volumes, um, it's quite easy to do with because they're in PDFs. And if you hold them in a folder, you simply press Control, Shift and F and you can browse around for the folder and then you can put in a keyword and search and it'll bring up every instance within the volume um, or within the PDF of the volume or where that word is. So it's that in itself is one of the big parts of the job now, because what I'm attempting to do, what we are attempting to do is to build up a large enough amount of material that is digitized and searchable that we save large amounts of time for the organizational interpretive and so on. How big is your team then? It's me. Ah, <laughs> well, it will be I have one man who comes in, James comes in once a week, but it, generally speaking, it's just me. And we, we do have volunteers. Um, we haven't had some uh, any volunteers recently for obvious reasons, um, but last year we had three volunteers and they were very good, very hardworking. Um, I tend to find that mature people are the best volunteers because they can give the time to the job. Um, younger volunteers are usually on their way somewhere professionally. Um, sometimes they're very, very good, but a lot of the time they're with you for a few months. They work quite hard, but then, of course, you've trained them up and they go. Um, so I've found best of all as a, as a, a mature people who have been with me for years um, and, and, you know, work very hard. And a lot of the digitization was their steady work. I think the the best of the digitization jobs that came out was um, w w was from Jack Richardson, uh, uh, unfortunately died a few years back, um, who uh, digitized our entire collection of uh, index cards. He, he scanned them all, which enables me to search for things. For example, I'm at home now because we're all, you know, working from home and I can look through our index cards because they're all JPEGs. Um, that was a very good job and, you know, that's that's been very good. Also, the maps and the pictures as well being digitized. Of course, the large maps I had to be done had to be done by Max Communications, but the, the um, small maps were done. And that was a very good job as well. It means that everything is to hand, which is wonderful. So we, we have it to hand and we can use it in YouTubes and we can we can really make the most of it. It's a digital object in a way that the, the original can't be used. Um, that really helps us to extend ourselves out into the digital space, which of course is where most people are these days. Um, so when we make our YouTubes, for example, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing uh, YouTubes at the moment based on the maps collection, a very specific match, which actually comes into the last question of the day which is your favorite um you know your favorite object and and with i i chose my favorite object which is the first edition of the county series of ordnance survey our color colorized ones the ones they hand tinted and the beautiful details within them and i've been using those on youtube to tell the story of where places were what places were like in the 1860s 
And without that sort of bulk of work going on in the background where, where, with people um, helping to scan material and the like, we wouldn't be able to bring the photographs and the little bits and pieces together and do the research um, in quite the same way, you know. So that's how, how effective it is to have a nice group of volunteers working with you. But for the more serious stuff like, um, um, uh, you know, organising the collection, accessioning and things of that nature, that's just me. Um, I do most of the inquiries as well. So volunteers are really making a difference in making their local heritage accessible to others. Yes, they do. And um, yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, we, we had a team originally of four people uh, or four full-time posts, it was five people back in 2009-10. And we were gradually scaled back um, to one. Um, and to take, you know, take up, take up some of that, um, we we had to digitise and use volunteers. So digitisation saved some of the labour, and using volunteers was very, very useful and also very efficient. Surprisingly efficient. Um, you know, I was I was very pleasantly surprised by their dedication. What are your hopes for the future of the archive then? Well, I think we are in a transitional stage. Um, it's ironic, but actually I don't think we would really want to have many people coming in. Mm -hmm. We would only really expect people to come in if, um, you know, if they actually needed to see the original object, either because of its aesthetic value or because the, the digitization hadn't quite worked properly. And the, the, you know, it, it, the more people who are coming in is, is almost an expression of your failure or my failure to actually put the material out into the public space. Hmm. Well, I think we're, we're transcending towards that. And I think that, you know, one day I'm going to retire. Hmm. Um, uh, which will happen, you know, I'm not a young man now. Um, I'm, I'm not fast approaching retirement, but it is now on the horizon, if you know what I mean, um, probably in about 10 years time. In this interim time, I would like to get it to the stage where the role had changed to being a facilitator rather than a, a porter. Um, at the moment, a lot of the job in, in local authority archives is fetching things and bringing them to the desks and then putting them away again. And as you can imagine, that's ex that, that expends a large amount of time. Mm -hmm. And really what you want is that people are able to access it for themselves online without the intervention of an archivist or heritage officer or whatever they're being called. Uh, and uh, you know that they can that the question about who accesses your archives is almost redundant it's whoever's using it um you know that that's where i would like to get to it's the stage where people can just come into a space as it were a virtual space click on something have the material and be satisfied with what they receive um 
I think that's that that's the stage I would like to be at and that the archivist or whoever is there simply to bring material in, digitize it as it comes in, uh, platform it, and then give advice where necessary. And I think there is still a role, even in the digital world, and I think this is true throughout the digital world, whether it's education or the arts or, or sciences or anything, um, there's still a need for a human being at some point. Um, there, you know, that, and that's, that will be true within the archive setting as well. So, you, you, you know, you will always need somebody to explain that, you know, um, I'm just trying to remember the name of it offhand, but, uh, 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 you know, a small district which has a funny name, for example, um, uh, a cuckold haven in East Finchley, for example, is now called Red Lion Hill. Um, so if somebody says, well, I, my ancestor was in cuckold haven, I've no idea where it was, then you'll still need somebody to say, well, it's over there. You'll still need somebody with some background knowledge and also somebody who knows the collection well enough to say, well, yeah, the index don't show it, but if you look in this set of documents, you will see it. Um, you know, this sort of and this sort of thing may interest you. It's, it, it'll be, be less of an organisational role, and much more of a facilitating role, and much, you know, it'll be less of a, of, of moving objects around the place and getting them out for people, which actually is not good for them. You know, a lot of these documents are unique. There aren't seconds of them or thirds of them. A lot of these documents are you know, delicate because they're old. And in many respects, you don't want to be producing them. And with that, you also have a, a, a population of users, the majority of whom don't really want to come to Hendon to come into our reading area and have to spend time with me bringing things out and putting them away again. Um, so, you know, that's how I see the future. That's what I would hope for the future is that, that we, we can realize some of the promise of digitization um, in, a, in a fuller way, in a full way. We are getting there slowly but surely, but it's, it's still even, it's remarkable because I started this job in 1998. Um, actually, it was 1999, June 1999. And one of the questions was, uh, in my interview was, what do you think the implications of computers in archives is? And I remember having to say, well, truth be told, having read around it rapidly at the time, because basically I'm not an archivist, I'm a historian. Um, you know, basically, the, 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 um, nobody really knows. Um, it's been used a few times to, you know, to, to sort of, shove around uh, data about social history things you know how many people were born in the polar area and things like that um, but it hasn't been it hasn't been really used for digitization in a in a full sense um, there aren't any real collections of digital materials yet so it's very new and I, I think we're going to be learning from here on in and I have spent the last 20 years learning from there on in um, all, all sorts of different things about that. And I think it's been a project that was recognized within the service. And, and I think we will eventually get there, hopefully before I leave. I hope to be able to leave it to someone in a state where they go, wow, that, that's what we needed to inherit. <laughs> how far along the so, journey are you? How, how much do you have to tell so far? 
I think we've done we've done very well in terms of capture. Um, we have a remarkable amount um, captured. We have all our electoral registers, all our uh, directories, um, many of our ordnance survey maps, nearly all of our ordnance uh, survey maps were done by Max Communications. Um, a lot of our rarer manorial maps were done by them as well. We have uh, a, a, about, I would say, we're about halfway through our council minutes uh, up to 1965 um, and a large amount of um, other materials as well that's been just digitized on the way. The photographs, for example, we have about 12,000 photographs digitized or 12, no, it's actually up to accession is 12,000. It's, it's probably about five or 6,000 in real terms. Um, I haven't really looked, but it's a significant number. All our postcard collection is now digitized. And routinely, if I get pictures or um, documents in, I routinely um, try and digitize them now, although that's quite a handful to do as well. You know, it's, um, that side of it's good. The capture is good. Um, platforming is still quite a tricky area. We've got um, our photographs platformed through um, uh, Borough Photos, nothing like the amount I would like in there, but I'm sure that I'll be increasing that over the next couple of years or three. Uh, significant, at the moment it's about 1500 in there. Uh, I would like to include everything that's permissible by copyright in that, in that section. Um, we're looking at ways of, of uh, uh, platforming, the, particularly the council minutes and the, and the ordnance survey first editions, the ones that aren't available on the Scottish uh, Scot Li National Library of Scotland's website, for example, which actually includes quite a lot of the second and third editions and uh, all of the first editions in, in our area. So that's um, that's roughly where we stand. There's a huge amount still to be done, though. Um, most of our things like uh, um, deeds and uh, rare documents of that nature haven't been scanned and digitized yet, but I can see a time when they will be. Um, it's, I think we're past the point, I'm now past the point where I'm going, you know, that's a lot to capture. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be close on 80,000 objects. Um, we're getting through to the point where I'm going, yeah, I can see this being done to a point where it will be the norm to expect it to have been digitized. Let's put it that way. But pl the platforming for um, a lot of it is stuff that we're still working on. You mentioned so I, earlier your favorite item is Ordnance Survey Maps and that you've done a YouTube video on them. What kind of things are you talking about on your YouTube channel? Well, I'm looking at, um, um, essentially it's, it's using it as a sort of starting point. Uh, we have 30 odd of these maps in the collection, 30 or 40 of the original um, colorated ones. And one of the, one of the tasks I have is, is producing histories of the area. And I thought that actually what we should be doing is bouncing these histories off the material. So actually what we should be saying is, look at this material and this will tell us something of the history. So um, I'm using, I, the thing I find wonderful about these maps is that they, they set up questions in themselves. Um, so anybody looking at these maps 
yeah, will wonder, well, what's that about? Um, oh, I can see my favourite street. The one I have done so far, I've done one. I'm in the middle of doing the second one. I've done, they're, they're done in, the way I've set it up was I did it as a balloon trip with a balloon that flies over the map. Mm. So it's a Victorian balloon looking down at 18, uh, 1860s map. And as it flies along, it stops and we look at something, which I highlighted a little red red triangle. And I just speak about it. And it, I did Barnet, Chipping Barnet. Um, and we were talking about things like how the town hall, the first town hall, Barnet's first town hall in Union Street got to be there, how Union Street, Street became named. Um, using 1860s photographs to look at the, the, the Church of St. John the Baptist, um, to look at Middle Row and that these antique places no longer exist to show exactly where they are um, now, to tell people where they are now, to tell people why, uh, you know, where the, where the Barnet, famous Barnet Market was uh, in the 1850s and where it had been and, and things of that, that nature, and just explaining what they're looking at on the map and the history at that time, and a little bit before, and a little bit afterwards, but not much. Um, so they fly around on this balloon, and the balloon turns around, and you know, you get, to, you know, it points in another direction, and things like that. I'll put a link in for you. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but I also, um, I'm working on at the moment, the Welsh Harp, which is, um, we share, is a big reservoir um, that we share with Brent, it's actually called the Brent Reservoir, but everybody knows it as the Welsh Harp. Nobody calls it Brent Reservoir. It's too long, too long a word, uh, phrase. Um, and at the moment, I'm working on that, which is a really fascinating history in the 1860s because it's all about um, William Perkins Warner's Welsh Harp Pub and his his super fantastic fun days, where thousands, tens of thousands of Londoners would turn out to spend some time in the reservoir and to drink in the pub, of course, but be entertained with absolutely everything from uh, race, horse racing through to, oh, I mean, it goes on. You'll have to watch it when it comes out. When it comes out, I'll let you know. I will. But, but it's, it was a way of using this fantastic material to, you know, to actually say, well, it's more than just a, more than just a plain map. It's a, you know, this is, something from which all sorts of things leap and that's why I love it I love it because it gives you that and it gives you a wonderful moment uh, uh, in in history a wonderful period in history which can really tell you about what you know the history of the area in in its plan you know in yeah I'm not doing very well there <laughs> I think I dropped that one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fascinating to kind of give people an idea of a snapshot in time and everything that was going on at that moment in the local area. Yeah, and also we prov we provide a link to the map with the YouTube. How many sites are your images and all that sort of thing hosted on? Is it all on the borough website? No, it's it's not. We use YouTube. Um, we use Borough Photos with Max Communications. Um, we use a number of different, uh, we, those are the principal ways we, we, we look, look after. Increasingly, it's um, about social media. I'm involved with three, um, well, there's four, but one's quite quiet, um, Facebook pages 
which enable me to actually sort of put things up periodically and say, yeah, have a look at that, you know. And the great thing about Facebook and Instagram and the like, but particularly Facebook in this particular regard, is that you can place things up and, uh, you know, you're, you're placing into an audience. So rather than being having in a situation where you have to bring the audience to you somehow, you know, book a church hall, have an exhibition space, um, get people into the archives. Again, this is not, you know, it's, it, you don't want people to come into the archives in the reading room. You want to be able to get it in front of them where they live and where they're enjoying themselves and where they feel comfortable, you know, where they're not thinking about, gosh, when am I going to get my cup of tea? And, oh, I'm going to need the loo in a while. You know, it, getting beyond all that so that they can, you know, they can reach it at their own time and pace. And, you know, places like, Facebook pages like uh, Finchley Down Memory Lane has close on 7,000 members or more now, I should think. Um, last time they posted up the members, it was very high. I could never wish for an audience. You know, I, I could never possibly dream of an audience that size. So social media is very important, I think, and growing importance uh, in, in terms of accessibility. Um, it also enables people, they know who I am, um, you know, although I don't sort of, you know, I don't sort of put on airs on the site as such. Um, again, it's occasional discussions, but, you know, I'm not boorish about it, but they know who I am. And people will just simply post up something like, does anyone know why such, and well, Cuckold Haven is called Cuckold Haven? And I can say, yeah, it's named after a Brian Barnett family called Cuckold, which is not a good name. But um, <laughs> yes, you're based in Hendon Library. Don't visit you. You should check out the digital resources first. <laughs> well, I think that's an ideal, and that's an ambition. At the moment, and until we've got the platforming sorted out, until we've you know able to deliver, um, people will have to come in, and I am sorry about that. Um, I'm repeatedly asked by people, why don't you digitize it and put it online? <laughs> um, which, yeah, we would love to, um, but that's not as easy as it sounds. Very easy thing to say, very difficult thing to do. We will put links to your website address on the page so people can check out everything that you've digitized so far. Yeah, or just to be able to get in contact with me so I can, if people need things. I can I can pass them on to them if you know if we've got them digitized it's probably close to the mark at the moment but as I say we are working hard on this yeah it's wonderful to hear how forward thinking you are with this I, I hope that you reach your goal sooner rather than later yes that's right <laughs> apart from anything else it makes the whole business of research and writing so much more interesting and so much more fruitful yeah. If you're not having if you're not having to run around after books and things, but you have them in front of you, you can actually build connections as well, which you wouldn't normally do um, in the old fashioned way of research. Although there is something to be said for ordinary research. Keyword searches is not the only way through. Actually, just going through, trawling through material, digitized or undigitized, is still a very good way of finding out things and hearing stories that you might not have come across. There's a lot to be said for that. It is indeed. It sounds like you have a wonderful collection for which people can do that through. Yes, we do. Thank you so much for speaking to me today, Hugh. It's been a delight hearing about 
all the big ideas you have. That's good. I'm, I'm very pleased to have joined you. Thank you very much.